Welcome to the Harmony and Healing Podcast, a podcast about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care with health and wellness. I'm Jazzy Piggott, a tuba player, certified personal trainer, writer, and podcaster coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm again by myself this week, but that is still okay. This week, I'll be talking about the art of scheduling, tips to make and stick to your schedule, and how to potentially avoid procrastination. Scheduling is something that I've been doing for about a year now. I decided in the middle of the pandemic that maybe I should decide to actually plan out what I'm going to do with my time. And it's definitely helped me a lot to stay productive for most of the time, especially last semester. I still haven't yet developed a schedule now that I'm in Baltimore because of how unstable my job hours are since clients can schedule when they want and then it changes week to week. But eventually I'll have a schedule down. Why is scheduling important? So the first reason scheduling is important is it allows you to actually make time for everything you need to do. When you don't have things written out, it's very easy to forget to do some things. Like for me, I tend to forget specifically composing, I would say, is the thing I forget the most because I have all the writing to do, I have the practicing to do, I have to go train and things like that. So then I always push off composing and then never address it. Well, if I actually had it in my schedule that I'm going to compose an hour a day, then I'm not going to be avoiding my composition. Scheduling can also help you reinforce good habits. When you schedule things, if you schedule something that you want to make a good habit in your schedule, it's going to happen. So for instance, if you want to start exercising regularly and you put exercise in your schedule, exercise is going to become a habit because it's something you're going to do at the same time every single day or whenever you decide to put it in your schedule, and then it will just become something that you do automatically. However, this is also the case for bad habits. So if there's something that you're trying to avoid doing, then don't put that in your schedule or schedule things over where you would tend to do that thing. Next, scheduling reduces the willpower that you need to make decisions. When you have everything planned in your schedule, That means that there's less that you need to decide what to do on the spot. There's no sitting around in the middle of the room like, okay, what am I going to do now? You know what you're going to do now. It's already written out. And they say in some studies that a lot of the reasons people make bad choices is because they tire out the amount of willpower they have. They say it's a finite amount of willpower that you have a day. And the more you spend making choices, the less you're going to have to make good choices by the end of the day. So that's often why a lot of people will tend to eat really healthy in the morning, then they'll get to the end of the day and suddenly it's nine o'clock and then they open all the chips and cookies and anything comes out to play. It's because you've exhausted your willpower for the day. So willpower with scheduling actually comes from habit formation. I guess I could totally do a separate episode on habit formation because I've read so much on it. There are books by Gretchen Rubin. She has Better Than Before. Then James Clear has Atomic Habits, and then the other one I read was called The Power of Habits. I actually don't remember the author, but it was a really good book, and it's definitely helped me to solidify some of the good healthy habits that I have developed today. So along with reducing the willpower you need to make decisions, it also minimizes time for anxiety. A lot of times I find that if I have nothing to do, my mind decides to make something to do by focusing on any tiny little interaction I had that day. 
So when you schedule so you know exactly what you're going to be doing and you have something to keep yourself distracted, you're going to be less prone to having those random spells and anxiety. At least that's the case for me. It might not be the case for you, but it might be something that you might want to try if you tend to get anxious when you have nothing to do. I have this trend where if I finish a project, I end up falling into some state of anxiety and depression because suddenly I have too much time to think and then I don't know what to do with myself. So scheduling has definitely helped me avoid that when I have my schedule pretty solid as far as things to do. And then the last point I want to bring up in the importance of scheduling is that it can improve productivity. So when you have things that are outlined out for your day, that means you know you're supposed to be doing something. For me, if I'm trying to be productive with composing, I have composing scheduled for 8 o'clock every single night of the week. That means I'm going to be sitting at the computer at 8 o'clock ready to compose. That's not time that I'm just going to be scrolling Instagram or Facebook or some other thing that would be wasting my time. It's time that I know this is the time that you should be composing, so that's what you're doing right now. In the long run, this can improve your productivity because it enables you to just be doing the task that you are meant to be doing. So now that I have hopefully convinced you the importance of scheduling, some of the benefits that may come out of creating a schedule for your day, I am going to give you some tips on how to design your schedule. So when you decide to design your schedule, the first thing you're going to do is write down things that you have to do at a specific time. So this is things like courses, rehearsals, lessons, meetings that happen regularly, family obligations, and things like that. If something happens regularly, as in it happens every week at the same time, you're going to make sure you have that blocked out because you can't, there's no way you're scheduling a meal over your 8 a.m. class. As much as you want to have breakfast, that's not going to happen. Once you have things that you know they're required and they're cemented into place, you can't move them, then you start to add the things that you need physiologically. And you put those around the other things. So that's going to include your meals, your sleep, and your exercise. Now meals is really important. They say you should eat every three to five hours and that should be around three to four meals a day for most people. Some people don't eat breakfast. I always eat breakfast. But if you are someone who doesn't eat breakfast, then I guess plan so you don't have breakfast in your schedule. But by scheduling meals, you make sure that you are thinking of meals before they happen so that you make good choices when it does come to mealtime. There's a lot of times when I forget to schedule meals, I end up freaking out because I actually don't have anything to eat in the house. So then I either grab some processed snack I have lying around and just eat that, or I end up going out somewhere. So when I have them planned on my schedule, however, I'm thinking about it the day before when I look over my day, and I figure out, okay, this is what I'm going to eat for breakfast, this is what's going to be for lunch, and this is going to be for dinner. And I won't forget that, and I'll make sure I have a nice, solid, whole food meal at each time. The second on this list of physiological things is sleep. So that also includes your wind-down period. You need to figure out that you're going to get seven to nine hours of sleep a night. That's non-negotiable. That is a priority. So that needs to be factored. So when are you going to go to bed, and when are you going to wake up? You're going to make that the same time every single day. So when you plan your sleep, you're also going to have to plan your wind down time. 
So that should be about at least an hour before you go to bed. You should have some sort of ritual, like we discussed in our episode on sleep, where you start to slow down and get your body ready to go to bed. So that might be like reading a book, taking a nice warm shower, a warm bath, listening to a podcast, cleaning, things like that. So that should be definitely included in your schedule so that you're not just jumping into bed right when you're about to fall asleep. And then the third physiological need is exercise. I know technically it's not a physiological need, but it really should be. Like you can get around without exercising, yes, but you'll be a lot better if you decide to actually exercise somewhere in your schedule. So maybe that's in pockets throughout the day. Like you know, okay, right after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm going to take a 10-minute walk, and that's how you schedule your exercise. Or if you have an hour when you wake up and you want to be consistent that way, so you put that hour for your exercise, that could be a place to put it as well. You could also do it in half-hour increments, and just find somewhere that you know you're going to be consistent with exercise and add that to your schedule. Last semester, I had made sure that exercise was the first thing I did after having a morning snack. So it was always have a little snack, do my workout, then get on with my day. And that really worked well for me because I found that when I didn't schedule my exercise, which has been the last few months, I tend to kind of forget it, even if I do plan to do it. It's just hard to get myself to start doing something that wasn't necessarily in the plan for the day. Once you have your meals, sleep, and exercise down, the third thing you need to address is the more nebulous but necessary things that you have to do. So that's things like homework, practice, walking the dog. Um, Yeah, that's nebulous. Just things like that. So in order to do this, you have to determine how much time you need to do each activity. So I know I have to practice tuba at least two hours a day, preferably around four hours a day. So that means four of these hours in my day need to go to tuba playing. And then I know that in order to complete the requirements for my class, I'll probably need two hours of uninterrupted homework time to get my homework done for the day. So then you put that also in your schedule. Once you've figured out how much time you're going to be needing to do each activity, then it's time to figure out when in the day you're likely to be the most productive. Some people are morning people, and they wake up early, and they tend to be more productive in the morning. So that would be when you want to put the things that you need to do with the mental clarity. That's going to be where you put them in your day. So if you're a morning person, and you tend to focus better in the morning, you're going to schedule your homework in the morning. You're not going to try to schedule in the evening when you're sleepy or trying to avoid everything. That would be in the morning. Same thing if you want to warm up in the morning. Schedule that in the morning because that's something you feel like you need to do before you practice, and that's how you get productive. However, if you are a night owl and somebody who does things in the evening, then plan accordingly and schedule your stuff in the evening. So for me, I kind of am an owl when it comes to doing my work. I tend to get my creative energy around 6 or 7 o'clock, so that's where I have my homework time put in, my writing time, and my composing time. And in the morning, my productivity is more towards exercise, so I can just feel alert and have that done for the day. So now that you've figured out how much time you're going to need for each activity, and you figured out when in the day you're going to be the most productive, you're going to then need to decide how much it will be beneficial to do at once. 
So some people are able to sit down in a practice room for three hours and just hammer things out without breaks. Other people who might be more normal have to take some time. So I can do tuba playing at most in two hour chunks. So I'm going to have to do two hours at one time, put in some sort of activity in between, probably a meal, and then do another two, two hours later. So decide how much it will be beneficial to do at once. Are you the type of person who needs to split things up or are you the type of person who wants to get things all done in one go? Once you've figured that out, decide where you're going to put all these things and fit it into your schedule blocks and fill the remaining hours that you have from the earlier two steps. So hopefully by the end of this, you're going to have some extra time. Most people should have extra time. If you don't, then you need to figure out why you don't have extra time because something is taking up too much of your time. With that extra time, consider designating a few hours a day for particular things, so like office hours. Some people will schedule office hours where they know, okay, any meeting, anytime someone wants to meet with me, whether that's for coffee or just for a meeting, it's going to be in this one to three window. And that's just how they schedule them, their lives. So that's something you can definitely do if that's beneficial to you. Then you also want to consider the time that you need to do random to-do list items. That means first keep a to-do list so you know what things that you have to get done that might arise in the middle of the day randomly, because that happens to me a lot and then sometimes I forget because I forgot to write it down and then it's a whole thing. But put in at least an hour a day where you just tackle that to-do list and you just cross those little things off because otherwise they start to pile up on you and it gets bad. I know Gretchen Rubin in her podcast, Happier, talked about creating a power hour, and that is one hour a week where you do spend the time completing those to-do list tasks, usually the ones that have to do with like cleaning your house. So during that power hour, you might decide to finally sweep the floor, go do your laundry, wash the dishes, and things like that. But that is an hour reserved for completing those little to-do list items that are around the house. And then you're also going to want to have some time to take a mental break. Whether that's at the end of each hour, you take 10 minutes to just not do anything. Or if you just add an hour in the middle of your day where you don't have anything specified to do. This is necessary just for self-care to keep yourself sane. Nobody's perfect and nobody can keep going 24-7 even if they have their entire life written out. It's just not realistic. Okay, you've got your schedule. Now, how do you actually stick to your schedule? That is the million dollar question, because it's very easy to get off schedule if you're not somebody who benefits from just the fact you have a schedule. I know me, as my upholder tendency with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, take your quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. But as an upholder, I know if I have something written in my schedule, I have to hold myself to it and I automatically do it. This can also work for any of the other tendencies. For obligers, that will work because you feel like you have something scheduled and the schedule itself might be enough to hold you accountable. You might need another person who knows you schedule in order to help you stay accountable. For questioners, scheduling often works because you're creating the schedule. You know what's important. You're going to do what you think is important. For rebels, scheduling might not help. So do it if you feel like doing it. If you don't feel like doing it, then don't do it. It's up to you. Tips on sticking to your schedule. First thing is to treat everything on your schedule like a class. 
So I know eight o'clock is composing time. Now, if I had a scheduled class for composition, then I would be there on time and I would be sitting in class. I wouldn't be scrolling Facebook while the teacher's trying to lecture to me. I would be in my class and focused. So you need to stick to your schedule as closely as you can. So that often does involve sometimes cutting things off. Like let's say I am in the middle of a nice practice session. Well, okay, I did my four hours of practice that day. I'm done with that, but I have to get all these other things done. So right when that hour ends, I'm up and I'm on to the next thing. I'm not spending time carving it out from other activities if I don't need to, because the other activities need just as much attention as my practicing might. Another thing is to avoid frequently missing things on the schedule. That means just show up, just try to do everything you can. And if you are frequently missing things for some reason, like let's say you want to exercise at 6 a.m. every day, and for some reason you don't wake up on time, you keep sleeping into 6.30, well, maybe exercise shouldn't be at 6 a.m. every day if that's consistent. So that's the time that you need to take to go back to your schedule and to revise it in order to make sure it fits a logical reason. That's where there is a little trial and error to your scheduling. It will take some time to get used to it, but once you have a schedule that works for you where everything's accounted for, it'll be beneficial to you in the long run. Another reason to avoid missing things is it tends to create this habit of missing things. So if I miss composition, because that's the one I tend to miss the most, as I've said before, then I got into the habit of missing composition. So it's that much easier for me to justify continuing to miss it because I just, I've been missing it for the last few months. So it's not different than it was the week before or the day before. I've just been missing it. Now, when it does come to scheduling, there are times you're going to have an off day. And that's okay because you can't be expected to be 100% perfect and on task all the time. So on an off day, I would say incorporate the five-minute rule. I mentioned this in episode one about finding motivation. This is the rule where you do five minutes of the activity, and if after just the five minutes you feel like you cannot go on, you're still not motivated to do it, then fine, move on to the next thing. But you just need to take those five minutes to see maybe you just need to get through that mental hurdle, or maybe you just need to do a little bit and you don't even actually need to be spending an entire hour on the task. And then the last tip for sticking to your schedule is to not be afraid of unproductive time that is on task. So what does that mean? A lot of times for me, sitting down to compose is just me sitting down and staring at the keyboard. It seems like it's unproductive because I am not really doing anything. I'm just staring at the keyboard. However, it is productive because it's keeping me accountable for that hour I have in my schedule to compose. Otherwise, if I didn't have creative energy to compose and I just decided to blow off my composing hour and do something else, then I'm, I'm breaking the consistency habit I'm trying to develop. So don't be afraid of those times where you have writer's block or you just can't get yourself to work on a piece. Just have the discipline in order to make sure you stay with that task during that hour, or at least for the five minutes. I will just sit staring at a keyboard trying to figure out what I'm going to do next for my composition hour. That does happen sometimes. 
And at first it was a little uncomfortable, but I had to realize that, okay, this is time that I am actually devoting to composition. I'm going to check it off my list because my brain was in composition mode, even though I wasn't using it technically productively. So that covers scheduling. I hope this was beneficial for you to hear about why it might be important, how to schedule, and then ways to stick to your schedule. If there is something you have a question on, again, feel free to contact us through social media or email. My email is pigot, P as in Peter, I-G-O-T-T, jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E, at gmail.com. And we might address it in a future episode. But for now, I'm just going to move on to touch procrastination a little bit. So we're going to do a much more in-depth episode later when Bree is back, and it will cover procrastination in-depth because we are both chronic procrastinators. I still have not gotten over my procrastination habit, despite swearing that each time things will get better and I will stop procrastinating for the next time and I've learned my lesson, but it never happens. I always procrastinate, wait till the last minute, get things done in the last few days, and that's just how things have been. I feel like every procrastinator actually wants to stop procrastinating and they all procrastinate stopping procrastinating. So this is for you, fellow procrastinators. These are some tips that I have not implemented myself yet that I know I should um, (laughs) because it should help you reduce your procrastination habit and make you into a functioning, non-procrastinating individual. So tip number one is to use your schedule to get a little bit done each day. So when you schedule your homework time, do a little bit of your homework assignment each day rather than wait till two days before it's due and then try to write a whole 10 page paper. If you write a page a day for the 10 days before the paper is due, it's a lot less daunting than waiting till the last minute, even though you don't have that adrenaline boost to try to push you through. Also, getting a little done each day will start to build that consistency pattern, so it should help you break the procrastination in general, because you know each day you are devoting time to this task, you're not going to be spending it doing whatever you do when you procrastinate, but you're going to be spending it trying to conquer the task immediately rather than pushing it off. And then tip number two is to use your scheduled time to be on task, even if that means just staring at a screen. So like I mentioned before in scheduling and sticking to your schedule, it's okay to have those moments of writer's block as long as you're sticking to your task, you're sticking to the schedule block that says, this is time for me to be composing, this is time for me to be doing my homework, this is time for me to be writing. Doing this will help you to avoid procrastination because you're using the discipline to not be procrastinating in the moment. You are, even if you're not actively working on, you're you're mentally working on that project that you have to be doing rather than doing something else that you shouldn't be doing at that moment. And finally, you can leave gentle reminders in your calendar that lead up to the due date. So if you know you have a paper due in December, maybe you have four notifications, about one each month and then one each two weeks before it's due. So that will give you time to see that the due date is coming near. 
So you will see, okay, I have one less month than I thought I did. Okay, now I have two less months. All right, now the paper is due in two weeks. So hopefully having those little reminders in your calendar will jostle the little procrastination. I think they say procrastination monkey <laughs> in your head in order to find the importance of the task because seeing the timeline ticking down should be enough to kind of scare you into doing an activity. I know for me that tends to be just what I need, but I mean, oftentimes it really doesn't. Like even if I can see, okay, this thing's due in two weeks. Okay, now it's due in one week. For some reason, there's something in my brain that's just like, but I still have a week left, so I can still do it in the last two days before it's due. And I have not been able to fight that, but I will keep you posted because I'm starting a new degree and maybe it is time to break this procrastination habit by taking charge of my life. So I will keep you posted in the future. Will Jazzy get over her procrastination? I don't know. We'll see. That concludes the topic portion of the episode. So now I will move on to roses, buds, and thorns. My rose this week is actually the first thing I'm thinking about. It's really easy. Today, August 31st, is my birthday. So I'm very excited to be celebrating here in Baltimore. I have one friend, Eric, who I went out to lunch with earlier. He's a euphonium player. Shout out to Eric if you're listening. And then later I'm going to dinner with my quintet. And that is the Charm Brass Quintet. Follow us on Instagram that we are soon going to have. Hire us. We like jobs. But we are going to go out to dinner later. Um, Bree's in that too. And we're going to get Indian food. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm just happy that I've made it to 24. Because there have been some times where I didn't think I'd make it to 24. So I've made it. My bud this week, I actually have gotten a few more clients and I keep getting more. So I am looking forward to continuing to get more into working on the new clients that I have gotten in my training. Because starting a new client, it's starting a new relationship, basically. You're trying to learn the client and how to train them. And I really enjoy the getting to know you phase of these relationships because that means I can figure out how I'm going to improve their bodies and make them feel better about fitness in the end, which is why I feel drawn to training in the first place. My thorn this week, surprise, surprise, I do not have a consistent schedule, even though I just did a whole episode on how to make a consistent schedule. Right now, I don't really have an excuse. I guess my excuse is it's the first week of class. I don't know when all the chamber rehearsals I'm going to have are going to be consistently and then my work is naturally fluctuating, as I mentioned before, because clients can schedule when they want to schedule, and that changes week to week. So it's been very difficult for me to sit down and have plotted out, like, these are the hours that I'm going to be able to devote to these things. And consequently, uh, my practice has been suffering recently. So my thorn this week, not scheduling, not really practicing, just Still kind of in limbo, but I'm almost there. By next week, I should have it together. So we'll see. And with that, leave us a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show, and it will mean a lot to us. Be a nice birthday present for me. 
and tell other people about it. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. Anybody who starts listening is a valued listener and we enjoy having them each week. I like seeing the numbers go up, but yeah. So we will see you next Thursday with an episode about some to be discussed topic. It might be procrastination. We might procrastinate on that episode for a few more weeks, but we will see. So have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at the Jazzy Tubist on Facebook and Instagram and at my website, jasminepiggott.com. And you can find me on Instagram as at radiant underscore trumpeter. Thank you for listening and see you next Thursday.